Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling. The volume. No! Oh my God! How could he do that? Are you on? Don't What? Charles Darwin. The nerves is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brabber and alongside me is Logan Camden. And we are continuing our NFL season previews today, starting with the AFC East, which I think a lot of people would argue is the strongest division in football. It's certainly got to be up there. But Logan, who do you have coming out on top of that pile? Carson, I have your Buffalo Bills emerging as the top dogs of the AFC East. And I've been a victim of buying in on the Bills the past three years. I won't call it being a victim, but they just haven't gotten to the Super Bowl. That's the goal. This is an elite team year in, year out, primarily because of Josh Allen and what he's able to do uh, as a total offensive hub on the ground, through the air. He's got a rocket arm. He's one of the most mobile QBs. He just he puts this offense on his back year in, year out. This has been a team without a great offensive line. Uh, without great, you know, overwhelmingly dominant weapons. And I love this unit again this season. Uh, They bring in Dalton Kincaid in the draft. Stephon Diggs is back. He has also dispelled any rumors about him wanting to depart Buffalo. I think that news is so stupid, Carson. One, just like, why would Diggs want to go anywhere else? This is a super competitive roster with one of the best QBs in football. Come on, man. Well... I do think that there's reason for concern. I am still worried about that situation, just given like the blow up that we saw during the Cincy game last year that some people have pointed to as maybe like the beginning of some sort of divide between Diggs and Allen with the fact that he didn't show up right on time to camp. And he's Diggsy, man. He's a hothead. Like we know how things ended in Minnesota. I don't think that was as good a football situation as Buffalo, of course, but it was a good one. And just generally, I do believe that when there's smoke, there's fire. And there has been a whole lot of talk about Diggs being unhappy. So I don't think he gets traded. I think they have to 
retain him. He's just way too essential to the team's success. But I am worried about that and just how it affects the overall vibes of the team. Like if one of the absolute best players isn't happy, it just has a negative impact on the entire environment and on everyone. So I can't speak to insider insight, but it does seem like there's something there. And I am at least a bit concerned about that. Do you think if the Bills don't reach the Super Bowl, do you think Diggs is gone? I don't know. I can't get inside his head. I would say that unless it gets to a point where the relationship is not salvageable, I would not trade Stefan Diggs. I just don't think you can get requisite value back, especially at a position that is so essential. And if you lose Diggs, the receiving core starts to look a bit unimpressive. And I do think that the weapons are improved for this year. But if you think about all of those guys are filling very specific roles, right? Like Gabe Davis is just not nearly polished enough technically. He is not the sort of down-to-down number one. He's awesome with his ability as a deep threat. I think he's a big-time touchdown threat, but we've seen his hands, his route running. It's just not that of a high-end number one. And then your two next best targets are tight ends and Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox, both of whom I think are very good tight ends. I'm really excited about what Kincaid is going to bring to the table, but they're not going to produce in any way that supplements having a high-end number one like Diggs. So I think priority number one has to be keeping him, making him happy, and it is a damn good football situation. Like, they're really are very few, if any, that are better out there, especially if you're looking at, well, the great rosters, they all have their clear top receivers, right? You're not going to supplant Travis Kelsey as the top target in Kansas City if they could somehow put a package together. The Bengals receiving core is loaded. The Eagles receiving core is loaded. This is a rare situation where he gets to play with a great quarterback on a great team and be the clear number one. So... Given the strength of that football situation, if you can't make that work, then I don't know. Maybe every situation with Diggs is a ticking time bomb. But again, I don't think that it's going to explode this offseason. It is concerning, though. Well, in the way to cover up any drama, cover up any beef, what's the ultimate uh, What's the ultimate uh, ingredient, Carson? That's winning. Uh, if you win, everything else doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So... I think that's what the Bills have to do this year, and I think they have the team to do so. I do think you make a great point, though. Josh Allen is great on his own. I think he will drive any offense he anchors to being great, uh, a top-10 unit, but it is a mutually beneficial relationship, and without Diggs, I mean, the offense just loses such a clear pop, uh, a go-to, just dependable guy who's going to get third downs, who's going to make big plays, who's just going to be consistently dominant. So I do think that matters a little bit. That being said, I expect this offense to be – uh, near top of the league once again, Josh Allen has just been a machine at churning out these great offenses, uh, regardless of if the offensive line is great or not. And then defensively, Carson, I think this is one of the stronger defensive units that the Bills have had over the past few years. I mean, you lose Tremaine Edmonds, that's a big loss, but you still have all-pro Matt Milano in the middle. You have an elite secondary, for my money, one of the best in all of football. Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Trey White, if these guys can just stay healthy, uh, you're looking at, in my opinion, I think the best secondary unit in football. And you have Kyir Elam, who I think is going to be great this year. And up front, I mean, I think this is the best front four you guys have had in a long time. Greg Rousseau broke out last season, eight sacks in 13 games. Von Miller, if he can stay healthy, is still a game wrecker. He had eight sacks in 11 games. 
And one of my favorite players in all of football is Ed Oliver. I've been super high on him since he came out of the draft. I think this is a year where he breaks out and cements himself as one of the best interior D linemen in football. So I think you're looking at a top 10 to top five unit on both sides of the ball. I have the Bills going 13 and four. And honestly, the only thing that I think can stop Buffalo Carson is health and Patrick Mahomes. I think those are the only two roadblocks standing in Buffalo's way. I don't know if I'm going to pick them deep in the playoffs yet this year. The AFC is stacked. There's a lot of great teams. But, I mean, the Bills are legitimate Super Bowl contenders once again this year, and I could 100% see them hoist a, hoisting a Lombardi at the end of the year. This is one of the more... This is one of the most talented teams in football. They have one of the most coaching staffs in football, and they're led out by one of the best quarterbacks in football. So, I mean, this is a recipe for a great season. Uh, I expect the Buffalo Bills to be in the Super Bowl conversation once again this year. I'm not going to do it because I think for three years running, I have taken Buffalo, but they are definitely one of my top-notch contenders again this year. Yeah, they obviously have the potential, but... I don't feel like this is the highest that I am in terms of the likelihood of them reaching that ceiling. I thought that last year when they were rolling at the beginning of the year, that was probably the most complete dominant roster that they've had. We have seen back-to-back years though, top three offenses and top three defenses from Buffalo, which is a rare combination. But as you said, they haven't made that Super Bowl run yet. So, I do think the offense is going to be dominant. I just think that Josh alone is so remarkable in his ability to elevate the pass game to the highest heights that there is, but also to be so important as like the most effective rusher on this team year in, year out. The Bills, if you look at their run game, right? They're like top seven in production and efficiency, which doesn't make sense because their line wasn't good. Their running backs weren't good. I mean, James Cook was an efficient runner, but he didn't have that high of volume in terms of carries. It's because of Josh Allen, his dominance as a scrambler in short yardage situations in the red zone. He is just phenomenal. And then I think is certainly one of the top five pure passers of the football and is able to make throws that 95% of quarterbacks can only dream of. And I do think is an underrated decision maker, even if he does have the occasional lapse that is worse than what you see from your average elite quarterback in terms of bad turnovers and mistakes. But I do think the dig situation needs to be monitored. I do like the weapons more this year because of the addition of Kincaid. And I think especially in the red zone, if you're looking at those two tight end sets with Gabe Davis, who's a bigger athletic receiver who is proven in those red zone situations with Diggs, who just can get open and make incredible catches basically in any situation. Josh also being a great red zone quarterback. I think the Bills will excel there. And then they do introduce Deontay Hardy to fill sort of, I would think, an Isaiah McKenzie type role with McKenzie leaving. Just a like gadget guy who maybe you use in some end arounds who has some of that high-end speed, but a smaller guy who can't be relied on down to down. But I do still love this passing game and how it projects. And I think that the running back room is more talented than it has been in the previous Josh Allen-led years because I do like James Cook. I think his speed, his agility, his IQ as a runner is a step above what the Bills have seen in recent years from Singletary and Zach Moss, who really were pretty bad starting level running backs. And I think Damian Harris, too, is going to bring a little bit more of that power and is just a proven productive running back in the league as well. My concern, though, 
is the offensive line here, which you're right. The Bills have been able to turn out elite offenses in spite of thoroughly mediocre line play. And in terms of the regular season, I'm not too worried about that. But I do think it's worth noting how much they got eaten alive by the Bengals last year and how fundamental that was to their loss. It was really the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, but completely limited their ability to get things going offensively against a talented and very well-coached playoff defense. And that is obviously the standard that we're applying to the Bills at this point. We're giving our regular season predictions here, but the goal is all about how far can they make it in the postseason. And I do still feel like when you're going up against those great pass rushes and defensive fronts and great defensive schemes who you're going to see if it's Lou Anarumo, if it's Steve Spagnuolo, right? You got to get through those guys. That does still feel exploitable. So I still think the offense is going to be elite because Josh Allen is at the helm. I am a bit more concerned, I would say, about some defensive regression. And last year, it's worth noting, the Bills turned out the number two scoring defense, even with Trey White being hurt for most of the year and then not being the same guy once he came back. And with Von Miller missing the home stretch, who you're right, was super impactful when he was out there and healthy. They will have both those guys back, but they lose Tremaine Edmonds, who I think had really developed to an important anchor in the middle of the field. And I just feel like the Bills aren't in the best position to sustain an elite defense for yet another year because of age. I mean, Poyer and Hyde are 32. Von Miller is 34 coming off of an ACL injury. Micah Hyde also got hurt, by the way, last year. Like, that's another thing. It felt like everything was coming together, and then injuries did play a big role in that. Trey, I still think we need to see if he can reach the same level as an elite number one that he was before that injury. So... Just given that we've seen the pattern throughout NFL history, it's hard to just sustain elite defense after elite defense after elite defense. When you also lose important personnel and you would expect just some natural regression with aging, I'm concerned. I do think that there's potential for this pass rush to be the strongest yet because I think that Rousseau and Epinesa have definitely progressed and come into their own. You add Leonard Floyd, who was very productive last year, had another nine-sack season. And that has always been a limitation of these Bills teams when they've had these incredibly dynamic offenses. Even when they've had elite defenses, they've had like middle-of-the-pack pass rushes. And that's what Vaughn was supposed to inject and change that dynamic and make that a little bit more game-breaking. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see that. We'll see if he can maintain that level. Floyd in combination. I do like the upside there. I still think the Bills are going to be a good defense. Like, let me be clear. But are they going to be a top three defense again? I'm not sure. Matt Milano is amazing, though, and I'm so glad that he was first-team All-Pro because he has been a dog for years. So I have uh, sort of conflicted feelings about the Bills this year. I think that their floor is extremely high. I think they are too talented on both sides of the ball and just too insanely good at quarterback to go under, like, 11 wins. But... 11 wins wouldn't be a very good regular season for the Bills, given the standard that they've established, where it's 13 wins in two of the last three seasons, both of those in just 16-game seasons, by the way, because they didn't play the 17th game against the Bengals last year. And then even the only year that they went 11-6, and six, it was the super strange, dominate everybody who they beat, lose every game that they lost in like super weird one possession fashion so they were still second in the league in point differential or no they were number one that year they were second last year 
They're a great regular season team, and they're going to be no matter what. But with my concerns about the offensive line, the dig situation, a bit of defensive regression that I am expecting, and the fact that this division is getting better, it is a really, really tough schedule. Like, there is not going to be an easy game within this division. And then on top of that, they have to play the Bengals on the road, the Eagles on the road, the Chiefs on the road, the Chargers on the road. They have the Cowboys I have the Bills right now at 11-6. and six. I still think that they're the best team in this division, but it's just hard to win 13 games every year, and I don't know that this team is going to quite be able to reach the heights in the regular season that last year's team did. That surprises me a lot. I, I, I recognize all the red flags that you throw up about this team. I just think they're still super talented, and I, just, I have the utmost faith in Josh Allen to carry this team to great heights. Like, I think... It is a tough schedule. I think they're going to win a lot of those games on the road, man. I think we're going to still see the Bills pull off some big wins. Like, it's tough, but I just, I believe in Josh Allen, man. I think he's, I think he's too great. Like, I think this is one of the best teams in the NFL again. I know Mm -hmm. that the league's gotten better. This division has. It's going to be super competitive. That's the one aspect that I struggled with is this in the AFC North, man. It really is hard to give all these teams all these wins because they play each other. I just have Mm -hmm. supreme faith and confidence in Josh Allen to get this team to the highest heights in the NFL. So I do have them at 13 and four. Does that mean that you don't have the bills atop this division? No, I do. I have them winning the division still. I actually have them with the same record as another team, but I'm very comfortable giving them the tiebreaker. To me, this feels like it's on the lower end of the Bills' range of outcomes, whereas the other team winning 11 games feels like it's not the highest end, but on the higher end. But I don't know, man. I just sort of have this feeling in my gut, and this is as a Bills fan. Like, I hope that... Right, they have another just utterly dominant regular season, but you don't normally get four in a row like that. And when there are some legitimate concerns here in preseason, I don't want to put too much stock into, but the line has not looked good. I think that this is a little bit of a step back, but it's not about Josh. I think Josh is going to be amazing, but like with the exception of Patrick Mahomes, maybe, I don't think any quarterback in NFL history can just carry a team to 12 wins every year, right? Brady may have won 12, year, 12 games every year, but it's because he had consistently elite, elite defenses. I think Josh is as good of a one-man offense as there is, though, and the Bills are going to be damn good, and uh, I could see a case for another team winning the division this year. But I think the Bills definitely make the strongest. So who do you have second in the AFC East? Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating, up to eight passengers, yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. 
When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. I have the New York Jets, Carson, and I want to preface this too. We mentioned this on the North and South episode, though. Carson and I hold the right to... Uh, mm-hmm. change these records to we need to make sure that uh, every game is accounted for and the league has an even record. So uh, teams in order will likely stay the same, but records are subject to change. At number two, I have the New York Jets going 12-5, and five, and it was a really disappointing season last year, the way they ended. This team opened up 7-4. and four. It looked like Robert Sala was going to do the incredibly hard task of going from super shitty team last year to playoff team this year they end up losing their final six weeks and this is a Jets franchise that has been tortured Carson they haven't made the playoffs in 12 years we noted on a TikTok the other day you guys can check us out if you don't already uh, at Nerd Sesh on TikTok we do a lot of trivia videos there they haven't been back to the Super Bowl since Super Bowl three so there are big expectations on the shoulders of Aaron Rodgers this year and the big question is is Aaron Rodgers still MVP material I don't think he is. I don't think Rodgers is at his apex. But the big thing is, is Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to be. This is such a good football situation. If Rodgers can just execute in situational areas and be good, this team is going to be great. This had, this was the 31st-ranked passing offense last season, the 28th-ranked third-down offense, and the 31st-ranked red zone offense. They had seven games where they were held to 12 points or less. The immaculate quarterback trio of Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson, and Mike White combined for a whopping 15 passing TDs. Rodgers has never been less than 15 TDs, including years where he's missed over half the season. Like, this is such a massive upgrade over, I mean, middling, hard QB play to one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I don't care if Aaron Rodgers isn't 2020 MVP Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't matter. Aaron Rodgers has to be above average Aaron Rodgers for this team to be great. And then you look at the weapons here. Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb. I mean, he's got a ton of weapons to go to this year. And you think about the other side of the ball, how Robert Sala was able to single-handedly transform this defense in one season. This team went from dead last in points allowed without Sala to fourth in points allowed last season. They had the number three passing defense, the number 16 rushing defense, And to me, Carson, the reason I think the Bills and Jets are going to be great teams, the reason I think the Jets are going to be dominant too, you have the recipes for success. You have a great all-time dominant quarterback, and you have one of the best pass rushes Mm -hmm. in football. I mean, this is a dominant, ferocious pass rush. They were number three in pressure rate last season. You had Quinn and Williams rack up 12, Lawson rack up 7, uh, Franklin Myers rack up five, and then you add Will McDonald the fourth, the first round pick to this fray. I think this is going to be one of the best pass rushes in all of football. That is the tenet 
of dominating and winning games in convincing fashion. Great surgical QB play where you don't turn the ball over, you score touchdowns, and when your pass rush gets home and puts pressure on the other QB. And I think Quinnen Williams could be a deep boy candidate this year. He has looked crazy in the preseason. So I think they have the two, the most key tenants to winning football games. They excel in those areas. My only concern, like the Bills, Carson, as you laid out, is this is the offensive line. Uh, Dwayne Brown, Lakin Tomlinson, Joe Tipman, Elijah Vera Tucker, Mackay Becton, they don't instill uh, faith in me. Tomlinson was the only starter on the O-line to start all 17 or play in all 17 games last year. The other Carson, the other four starters started just played in just 19 of 51 games. Brown is 38. He struggled with a shoulder injury. Becton missed all of 2022, played just one game in 2021. Tipman's a rookie, so that to me is my sole concern. And the offensive line, I mean, trenches, like you said, Carson, that Bills-Bengals game is where games are won and lost. To me, the defense, QB play, and weapons just outweigh it to where I have faith in this team. But that being said, I, I think 12 wins is the high end. That's where I have the Jets at 12-5. and five. I could see them winning 10, but the range of outcomes is not that massive to me, even though I don't have a whole lot of faith in the mm-hmm. O-line. They excel in the two biggest areas of football. They have a great defense, they have a great pass rush, and they have a great quarterback. So I'm banking on the Jets to be good, and I'm banking on the Jets to be legit Super Bowl contenders. They're another team where at the end of the season, I wholeheartedly see the Jets potentially hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. I do think the Jets are going to be really good, and I prefer the Bills. Like, I was closer to putting the Bills to 12, and I was closer to putting the Jets to 10. But I think this offense is obviously going to take a big leap, right? The question is just how massive of a leap are we talking about? And I think that far and away, the X factor there is what version of Aaron Rodgers do we get? It feels like there is a widespread consensus that he is going to be better than last year right? He has better weapons. He just seems to be much happier. There was just a level of disengagement from him last season, but it's important to emphasize also that I don't think we can just pencil him in as a top five quarterback again, all of a sudden, because when you do see significant regression from a 39 year old, I mean, that's certainly a significant flag to me. Like, He was definitely not a top 10 quarterback last season. So to me, a bounce back Aaron Rodgers year is like he's a solidly top eight quarterback. It's not pushing into the Mahomes, Allen, Burrow level. I don't know that I can quite see that path for him. Like last year, he led an average Packers offense that was 15th in points per drive. He was far more turnover prone than usual. I didn't think that it was his best decision making. We didn't see the sort of success deep downfield that a younger Aaron Rodgers was more capable of. And obviously he is a less dynamic creator than he has been in previous years. It is worth noting that his last two MVP seasons, it wasn't that he was doing that with his athleticism as much as he was with just insane accuracy and efficiency and control of the game and his mind, his ability to still place the ball perfectly, even if he doesn't have the same arm strength or outside of the pocket creation. So I think he's going to be really, really good. That's a huge reason that I have faith in this team, but I don't think that we are looking at a top tier quarterback as in like those top four guys who always seem to come up I do like the weapons though I think that Garrett Wilson is clearly a legit high-end number one 
Lazard, Cobb, Hardman, I think are all good additions. There's solid depth here. And of course there's chemistry, which is very important for Rodgers. I don't think this is among the league's like flat out best receiving cores, but I do think it's a good one. I think the run game is also a bit of a question mark just because Brees Hall last year was an exceptional playmaker when healthy. He averaged almost six yards per carry. The rest of the team combined, though, was under 3.8. And so it ended up being a below average rushing attack. So if Brees is healthy and if he's the same guy, that is another dynamic weapon. But without him at that level, I'm not a big fan of the run game here, which I do think it's worth noting how much Aaron relied on that more in the later Green Bay years. Like he may have been finishing drives and the touchdown numbers are crazy. And again, he was super efficient and in control, but he's not throwing for 4,500 plus yards year in and out. There was so much dominant run game with a really good O-line and Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams back in the day, right? AJ Dillon. So that was always an important foundational piece alongside Rodgers through the air. And I don't know that the Jets are going to be quite as good as the Packers were in that respect in like the 2020 and 21 seasons. And like you, I'm concerned about the O-line. It was one of the worst in the league last year, and I don't think it's significantly improved. So I think it's a good offense, but with some of the concerns about the O-line, the run game, and just not being convinced that Rodgers is going to be an MVP kind of guy again, I, I think it's probably like, around the 10th best offense in football. But we saw last year, right? This team was able to start seven and four, as you mentioned, while being abysmal offensively. And I do think this defense is going to be elite. I have certainly more faith in the Bills offense, but I actually have more faith in the Jets defense just because I think, if anything, this unit is trending up when you look at the great pieces here and their age, right? I think that the line and the secondary are really strong. I think that Quinn and Williams and Sauce Gardner are both probably top 10 defensive players on the planet. They add Will McDonald in the first round for some more dynamic pass rushing along with Williams and Carl Lawson. And the secondary is, is really strong. So I just think all around, this is going to be a top five defense for me. So I can't really put them under 10 wins. It is a tough schedule, but I certainly have enough faith in Aaron Rodgers to believe that as a top five quarterback ever, his mind, his accuracy is enough to make him damn good, make this offense quite good. And yeah, like they have really far to climb to be top 10 offensively. It is worth noting that they were bad at everything last year, right? They were a terrible passing offense with some of the worst quarterback play and line play, and their weapons were meh outside of Garrett Wilson. They were terrible situationally. All of it was a disaster, but it's might as well be a new team, it feels like, because of the addition of Aaron Rodgers there. And you look at some of those games, Aaron Rodgers is going to win you a lot of 21 to 17 games that last year you might have lost 3 to 17 because the offense was that abysmal. So, I think the Jets definitely stand above the rest of the teams in this division outside of the Bills, and I think they have climbed into that tier with the Bills. I might not like them quite as much, but I think they're close, and I do think they have a Super Bowl chance. I mean, it's just a very complete roster, man, to have at least an elite ceiling on both sides of the ball, and I would say 
pretty confidently an elite defense, that's that's special. Not a lot of teams can claim that. Big time. I mean, the AFC is stacked. That's what makes these predictions so tough, right? There's a lot of great teams in the AFC. Uh, but I, I think you make a good point about the Jets too, Carson, about this does feel like a new team. I mean, they overhaul the offense. You get Nathaniel Hackett in there. You get Rodgers. And I think that was a big mental component down the stretch last season, right? I talked about how bad they fell off. You know, you lose the final six games of your season. That's just demoralizing. But a component of that is you don't have any leadership at the QB position. I mean, how do you expect guys? Like, the defense is still balling mm -hmm. out. One, they can't put up points. Two, how are you going to keep going as a team if you don't have faith at the top? You know, it starts and then it works its way, its way down. This is an overall team. This should be a team that is not only excited, but is confident, that is ready to go out and win games. I mean... Yeah, Rodgers may not be a top five guy on the planet anymore, but he's top ten. He knows how to win. He knows how to get the job done. And he certainly knows how to lead. I'm I'm super excited to watch the Jets this season, man. I think you mentioned that ceiling. If the if everything goes right with the offensive line, I think they could be a top ten unit there. I mean, that's that's in a perfect, perfect scenario. If that box is checked, the Jets wholeheartedly have a Super Bowl chance. Uh, I'm super excited for the Jets this year, man. And I'm excited to see Aaron Rodgers in a new situation, man. He looks happy. He looks like, I don't know, this is what he's been waiting for, yeah. man. It's what he's been missing. Rodgers looks rejuvenated. So I'm, I'm super pumped and I'm super confident in this team this year. It's definitely exciting. Have you been watching Hard Knocks? Of course, dude. I've been so entertained by that, man. And all the characters on that team, man, Quinnen, uh, Sauce, yeah. Rodgers, it's a really good camaraderie, and I like the energy that we've seen in camp too, man. Everybody seems fired up. Yeah, Sauce is kind of weird, I find. But I really like Solomon Thomas trying to fire the boys up to go to a Broadway show. It's good. I'm enjoying Hard Knocks. Yeah, give me a short, a, a short coochie board. Oh, well, come on now. Don't be crass. It's very distasteful. Who do you have next in the division? This is really tough to decide between Carson because I think you have the tale of two teams here. I really love the Miami Dolphins offense. I don't love Tua Tagovailoa, but I love the weapons and I love Mike McDaniel. With the Patriots, it's consistently dominant defense, but I absolutely abhor the offense and I hate Bill O'Brien and his butt chin. So I got the Dolphins at three, man. And, and that ultimately is what made the choice between the Dolphins and New England. We are moving towards being a more offensively driven league. So I'm going to lean on the side of the team with the great offense. And I, I think this is the best receiving duo in football, bar none. I also think this is one of the greatest receiving duos maybe ever, man. Like, they have game-breaking talent and speed. Yeah. Last season, Hill and Waddle, they're one of 11 duos in NFL history to both record 1,300 yards in a single season. And their mark of 3,066 combined receiving yards is the third most ever. Uh, Hill had 1,700 yards. That's a Dolphins record. Waddle had nearly 19 yards per catch. That was the best mark in the NFL. That is how you maximize a quarterback with limited arm strength like Tua Tagovailoa. And I don't hate Tua. I think he's a good decision maker. I think he's super, super accurate. I do think there's a bit of a hard cap you can reach with your offense, but Again, they are maximizing him by putting around a bunch of talent and a bunch of speed around him. Last season, Tua had the higher, highest passer rating in the NFL. He had 25 TDs to 8 picks. He was great at not turning the ball over. And when you look at the record under Tua, this team is 23-13 and 13 with him. They are 5-9 and nine without Tua. Granted, you've had some pretty poor QB play behind him, but I think that speaks volumes. Like, Tua can at least 
manage you to victory. So I think this offense is going to be great through the air once again. I don't know about the rushing attack. They didn't make a whole lot of changes. Uh, they brought in Isaiah Wynn from the Pats. They retained Mostert and Wilson Jr. I don't think they're going to be great on that end, but with an underneath passing attack, with a short passing attack that supplements that running game, I think the Dolphins can be a great overall offense. And on defense, they addressed their biggest need, right? A part of the reason they were blowing games, they had the 27th passing defense. They go out, they get Jalen Ramsey. They had just 14 takeaways last season. That ranked 30th in the NFL. I think they're going to be better in big plays. I think they're going to be better through the air. And Vic Fangio comes in to hopefully transform this defense. Uh, Fangio does not blitz very much, but I think he's going to be able to get pressure home with Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb, who are a really good uh, duo on the outside. And then Christian Wilkins totally anchored this rushing defense. He's one of the best interior D-linemen in football. He's also got one of the best personalities in football. This is the number four rushing defense in football last season. So I think they're going to be a league average defense, uh, a great rush, a great run-stopping unit, and a decent pass-rushing unit with offensive upside. I don't think they're a great team, and Tua scares me. I know he's been practicing taking hits, and I think Ryan Clark was really defamatory with that. Uh, he looks like he should be working at a nightclub line. Two is small, and that does scare me about him getting injured. But if he can, I think he'll be healthy for the majority of the season. And I think this offense is going to be top 10. So the Dolphins are going to be about average. I don't expect them to win a playoff game. I think that they're not a great playmaking defense. I don't think they have a great uh, passing defense this season, but they'll be average there. To me, Miami and New England kind of balance themselves out. Miami balances them out with an average defense. New England a uh, averages themselves out with an average offense. These are both really good teams, but I'm not picking them to make any major damage or major noise this season, Carson. So Miami edges out New England for me because of their offensive advantage, but I'm not sold on either of these teams as like legitimate contenders or anything like that. Yeah. I think I'm lower on the Dolphins than the consensus, probably. Okay. I have them going just 8-9. and nine, And there's just a few major concerns that I can't overlook. And I do think it's worth starting off with, if Jalen Ramsey were to play the entire season, then that would probably change my outlook pretty significantly. But he's supposedly out until December. It's looking like a four-month recovery time. And I just don't think the defense is going to improve by that much without that sort of like cornerstone addition that would totally reshape the secondary and the pass defense as a whole because I mean we're still looking at one of the elite elite NFL corners there I think it is a largely average pass rush and that's with a really high blitz percentage right so if they do take a step back there I think it's a fine pass rush I don't think that it's a game-changing one at all and I like the linebackers but you mentioned it like Defense was average in terms of yards per pass allowed, but they let up 4,000 passing yards, 27 touchdowns to eight picks. So they they were just not good in that aspect of the game. So I think without Ramsey for most of the regular season, it's a pretty average defense. And then I'm not quite as high on the offense. I think mostly because I have some concerns about Tua and how things progressed last season. Like, I think when you're looking at Tua, to me, you can't put him into the like top 10 quarterback conversation. I don't think that he, first of all, is that level of a creator, which most of the top 10 guys are. 
doing things outside of the pocket, actively making throws because of their arm strength, their ability to fit the ball into tight windows with velocity that other quarterbacks throughout the NFL can't do. Tua is not that sort of athlete, and his arm strength is just flat out bad, and I think that it actively limits him at times. I also don't think that his pocket poise is like anything special, and I don't think that he is so sharp and so perfect in his decision making that he can be like just one of the great pure pocket passers. I actually think that he makes more mistakes than people tend to think. Like his interception percentage is not so good. And I think part of that is because his arm strength is so limiting that if he tries to make a bolder, higher level throw, he may end up just off target or short. And then that's a mistake, or he just can't attempt one of those throws to begin with. So I do think his accuracy is good. I think his decision-making is mostly good, but I don't think it's any coincidence that everybody was talking about him as one of the worst starters in the league, and then suddenly he gets elevated to one of the best starters in the league, apparently, when he has a historically great receiving core in combination with a great offensive mind in Mike McDaniel. So I think he's fine. I think he's a middle-of-the-pack starting quarterback, but... I do think we have to note the trend here. The Dolphins offense came out crazy hot, but in his last four starts, Tua went 0-4. The Dolphins averaged under 21 points per game. He threw six touchdowns to five picks. I think that this offense is a bit one-dimensional in its reliance on the weapons. I think the defenses have started to adjust. I don't think that this is going to be an above-average run game. I don't think that this line is above average. I just see a lot of mediocrity offensively outside of two guys who stand out, who, yeah, certainly improve this offense in a meaningful way, but I don't know about top 10. I definitely don't know about elite. And I am really worried about Tua's health. Like, I don't think we can ignore, right? He's missed five starts in each of the last two seasons, and he now has a an extremely concerning thing with these concussions that led him to apparently consider retirement over the offseason. And I think a lot of people would if you have three major concussions in one football season. So I certainly hope that that isn't a factor. But at the same time, this is a guy who was already a bit injury prone and now has like the most concerning recurring injury that there is. So I do think it's an above average offense. I don't think it is the sort of red hot offense that we saw out of the gates last year. And I think the big improvement for this defense on paper, obviously they added Bradley Chubb midway through last season, but it was going to be Jalen Ramsey. And I just don't think we're going to see that materialize in the regular season. So in a really tough division with my concerns about Tua, with a pretty average defense, in my opinion, I think eight and nine is reasonable. Like maybe they could scrape out a couple more wins in the AFC South, but you're going up against the AFC East here. And I just don't think that they stack up against the Jets and the Bills for sure. Well, this is sort of weird. I actually have them and the Patriots with the same record. Something just felt right to me, man, about 8-9 and nine for both these teams. I understand I did the same thing with 11-6. and six, But if I were to do a tiebreaker as I would have the Bills above the Jets... I would give the Dolphins the edge over the Pats because I don't see upside with the Pats offense. Like, I think that the Pats have the more solidly stellar unit and that I think that defense is going to be really good. 
but I can see more outcomes where like maybe the Dolphins can get to 10 wins if that offense just is able to reach its ceiling and Tua is consistently healthy and really good and maybe the line overachieves a bit and then defensively they can just be a bit above average. It's like the Pats to get to 10 wins, man. I don't know how they're going to do that. It's going to have to be insane defense and I guess Mac gets better, but I don't see it. So I would give them the tiebreaker over New England, but I think they are definitely in the same tier. That to me is the distinction, that ideology. I can see the Miami Dolphins offense behind Waddle, behind Hill, putting up, you know, over 25 points a game. And I just think that matters more when you're going up against all these great offenses. I mean, think back to the playoff game against Buffalo. Like, you know, they put up a ton of points and are sticking in that game. For a while, it's been defense without championships. Chilla. But yeah, exactly. I. I think we're trending in a different direction. I just think having that game-breaking duo of Waddle and Hill is invaluable. That being said, it was hard to determine where I thought the Patriots were going to end up. I thought about 8-9. Uh, I ended up going 7-10, and 10, and that's this would be historic. Uh, the New England Patriots have not had back-to-back losing seasons since the 1992 and 1993 season. Uh, Carson, you talk about how difficult it is year after year to put together great defenses. Nobody in NFL history, you can talk about all the brilliant minds in NFL history, nobody has a greater track record than Bill Belichick. He's top 10 in points or yards allowed on defense for 11 straight seasons. Just last season, I think because of their offensive ineptitude, people tend to forget how great that uh, Patriots defense was. They were top three in DVOA. They were second in the NFL in takeaways last season with 30. Like, this is probably going to be a really good defense again this season because you're bringing back Bill Belichick, but also because you go out in the draft and you get a guy like Christian Gonzalez, who I think is a day one NFL starter, who's going to be great. Uh, you don't have any, and I think it's where we get the misconception, we don't have any great like big names on this Pats defense. You have like Matthew Judon. It's not like an overwhelmingly like, oh, name brand defense, but I think they're going to be top 10 again this season. The point that you bring up, though, Carson, I don't see this team being explosive. Like, the Pats, to me, don't have a lot of speed. I think that really matters in today's NFL. Uh, They bring in Bill O'Brien. That's the big change. He was Mac Jones' offensive coordinator at Alabama. I don't know how much of a difference that makes, considering that I think this offensive line is average. And then I think Mac Jones is really average. And so you don't have a whole lot of guys that, like, really maximize Mac Jones' skill set, right? A bunch of game-breaking speed talent like a Tyreek Hill or like a Jalen Waddle. I think in a lot of ways, I think Mac Jones and Tua Tagovailoa are very similar to each other in terms that they're not super mobile. They're not great improvisers. They're guys that stick in the pocket and they don't have great arms where they can really push and drive the ball downfield. Uh, and they have to make in structure. You know what I mean? So I like the weapons that they went out and added. I love Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he's a great culture guy. I think he's a, a really good over-the-middle receiver. He's tough as nails. Uh, and then they add Mike Kosicki, who I think is a really good tight end. But it's just an average offense to me, even with the addition of a guy like Ezekiel Elliott. So I think you're looking at a fringe top 10 defense and probably a bottom half of the league offense. I'd probably say bottom 20 To me, I just value offense a little more. This defense can be great, Carson. I mean, even if this defense is top five, I'd maybe pick them to win nine games. So for those reasons, I'm taking them to win seven. Like I said, this would be a historical downfall for the Pats, who have been consistently great year to year. 
but I, I think they're just a little bit below average. And so I got them in a tough division rounding up uh rounding up the rear at uh seven and ten. They are tough, man. I think in a lot of ways it feels like the Steelers, where they are man. a great organization, so well coached. They're always able to maximize their talent. You expect them to put out a very strong defense, but the offensive talent is a limiting factor. Now, I think that Pittsburgh's a little bit more talented offensively. I think that New England is going to be even a little bit better defensively, but I think you're throwing around average generously there, man, because what I'll say is the offensive game is just prettier all around and skill is at a peak and scheme is at a peak so production and efficiency is at a peak and so maybe it feels like a guy like mac jones is average but if you look at starting quarterbacks in the nfl there's no chance mac is average i think mac is bad he's well below average when i say that i mean like bottom 20 i wouldn't put them in like the bottom seven teams i think there's some offenses that are going to be really bad this year uh, I think Arizona, I think Houston, I think Indianapolis are all going to struggle. You might be right, though, man. I mean, maybe New England is in that, like, bottom seven tier of offenses, bro. I, I, I don't love Mac. I mean, what does Mac do at a high level? Like, I would say that Tua is actually average because he has a little bit more creation than, like, a Mac Jones. I think he's more accurate I look at Mac. I think that he makes a lot of mistakes. There are balls that are off target, that are underthrown. I don't think he's a great decision maker. I don't think that he is like an overly impressive pocket presence. And then I, I don't think he's a good arm talent at all. Like there's a reason this dude's production just isn't good. And I understand that like, yeah, Matt Patricia sucked. And okay, now he is Bill O'Brien. And the weapons are going to be a little bit better, better. But it's still a well below average receiving core and there's nothing that is resembling like a, a a real number one here juju is solid but as you mentioned there is just a dynamism that is lacking there gasicki i really like him and hunter henry that's a very good tight end tandem but where are the explosive plays coming from i just don't see it at all and I don't trust Mac to like put together great drives to where it's like, okay, it's Aaron Rodgers. Maybe we don't need explosive plays. He's just going to be surgical. He's not that sort of dude. So I think that they are going to be a bottom 10 offense or close to it. I like Ramondre a lot. That's a damn good running back. And I think that it's going to be an above average rushing attack. But the passing game overall is just bereft of like actual high-end talent. And when you put together a bunch of mediocre pieces, what feel like mediocre pieces in today's NFL with the level of offensive talent there is, it ends up being towards the bottom of the league. There's nobody who you look at and just think, oh, all their receivers suck. There's very few quarterbacks you just look at and go flat out, he sucks. The goalpost has just moved. Offense is better. And I do think that the Pats are within the scope of the NFL going to be a bad offense like they were last year. But offsetting that, I do think it's going to be an elite defense. They were fourth in yards per play last year. You mentioned at a legit number one in Christian Gonzalez. To me, it was a good pass rush, seventh in pressure rate. They were very good against the run, top five in efficiency there. It's a strong front. I just think the floor, because of how good they are defensively, I mean, it does still win you games in the NFL. There's no denying it. Look at how the Jets won seven games last year. Like, it's tough for me to see the Pats going below seven because of that 
it's also hard for me to see them going above like 10 because I think their offense is going to be so limited. So to me, it was going to come down to eight or nine wins. Given the strength of this division, I feel comfortable with eight. I think that, I mean, the Pats and the Dolphins, like they're good football teams, but I think that they have pretty clear limitations. So they're definitely a step behind the Jets and the Bills who have, to me, those sort of Super Bowl ceilings. Let's talk about the AFC West, Logan, where we have, of course, the reigning Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. I assume you have them winning the division. What are your thoughts on their outlook this year? Yeah, it's the Chiefs. I mean, I have them going 13-4. and four. They have Patrick Mahomes. They have Andy Reid. They have Travis Kelsey. They're, they're the new juggernaut of the NFL. Like, I don't know anything new that I can say about the Kansas City Chiefs that hasn't already been said they have the greatest quarterback uh, talent in NFL history. He's been consistently dominant. I mean, this stretch that we've seen Pat put together is probably the greatest peak out of any quarterback in NFL history. Him and Kelsey create the best QB to uh, receiver tandem, I think, in football. You have one of the greatest football minds uh, ever in Andy Reid on the offensive end. Like, you're just looking at something that is going to be consistently dominant. I, maybe you're a little concerned about the offensive line, but you still have dogs up there too, man, like Creed Humphrey. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Chiefs are, are going to be great. And uh, last year speaks volumes to how the Chiefs can win football games because you have a league average defense, right? You don't have a great defense. We look at these great teams throughout NFL history, and traditionally they're great on both sides of the ball. They are you know, top 10 defenses or top 10 offenses. That is traditionally the recipe that you need to go out and win a Super Bowl. Well, the Chiefs dispelled that last season when they're, you know, frankly, an average defense. I think they played better in the playoffs, and I think Spagnuolo was one of the great defensive minds at game planning against individual teams uh, when it comes onto those big stages. But, yeah, I, I have them winning 13 games. I think that might even be low for the Chiefs. I know they have a tough schedule. They play a lot of great teams this year but I would never pick against Patrick Mahomes. And I need to get all my records straight, Carson, for all of these teams, specifically Buffalo, Baltimore, New York, Kansas City, to really uh, Cincinnati to determine who's going to be my number one seed. Kansas City's probably going to be my number one seed once more again this season. Although I would I would consider Jacksonville too. I think they're a sleeper pick for that. Uh, mm. Chiefs are going to be great again. They're probably going to be my number one seed. They're probably going to be my Super Bowl favorite. Uh yeah, <laughs> that's what I got. Man. I mean, it's the Chiefs. It's the Chiefs. It's pretty straightforward at this point, dude. I could not pick a Mahomes, Kelsey, Reed-led team to do anything less than 12 wins because they never have. Last year was supposed to be the fall-off, right? Not to say that people are expecting them to miss the playoffs, but it certainly became trendy to pick the Chargers or the Broncos to win the division and to say, oh, maybe the Chiefs will only win 10 games this year because people thought this will be a pretty average defense and they don't have the sort of game-breaking talent that Tyree Kill is. It was the weakest group of weapons. But there's just a level of offensive brilliance here that is undeniable. They're going to be a top five offense. They were the number one offense last year. They're just guaranteed to be elite there. And it's like, yeah, Valdez Scantling and Tony and Sky Moore, it's not a great receiving core outside of Travis Kelsey. Not at all. If you just stack those three names up, it would be viewed as one of the weakest in the league, I think. 
I just doubt that it matters that much. I think that Pat is so capable of elevating everybody around him combined with a brilliant scheme and the gravity and attention that Travis Kelsey demands over the middle of the field at all times. They're going to dominate. I still think this is a really good line. And then defensively, I think they're going to be good, not great again. I think that this is a defense that improves in the playoffs because of Spagnolo's brilliance there. But we have seen it, right? Last year, they were an average defense. They still won 14 games. Mahomes' first season as a starter, that was a historically great offense. So you can't apply that standard to scoring 35 points per game every year. But they were 24th in terms of scoring defense that year. And they were still a dominant regular season team. They lose Juan Thornhill. They add Tranquil to the linebacking core. I think it's a pretty similar defense overall. We'll see if George Karlaftis can can take a little bit of a leap in year two. It doesn't feel like their most dominant roster, top to bottom. But last year didn't feel like their most dominant roster. They won 14 games in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, it's a tough schedule, right? This is a pretty good division. They get the Eagles and the Bengals and the Bills out of division. You can throw anything at me, man. I'm not picking the Chiefs to win fewer than 12 games. That is where I have them. Because it does feel like one of their less talented teams. And maybe there's not peak urgency this entire regular season because they did just win the Super Bowl. There's not an insane talent gap necessarily. But dude, as long as they have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid, I'm penciling them in to win this division. And I'm pretty much penciling them into the AFC Championship game. Because guess what? You're hitting 100% of your bets if you've done that so far. So who do you have after them? Number two, I'm very excited to see the iteration of this team uh, this year, and it's the Los Angeles Chargers. I have them going 11-6. and six. Ooh. I think the big thing about the Chargers last season was just injuries, man. Uh, you lose Rashawn Slater, Joey Bosa, J.C. Jackson, Keenan Allen, miss a lot of time. Keenan Allen, to me, feels like Tyler Eifert at this point, dude, or like Jordan Reed in his prime, where it's just like, oh, yeah, he's not playing this year. So... I don't know if we'll see Keenan. I hope he's back on the field, and I hope the Chargers are healthy because this is shaping up to be a really good team. Last season, uh, we saw Justin Herbert really change stylistically from what he had done early on, and that was he liked pushing the ball downfield. He liked making big plays. Last season, they kind of handcuffed him a little bit. He was 31st with 6.4 air yards per attempt. It's a double-edged sword there, right? It helped him keep his turnover numbers low, but it ultimately limits the big playability of the offense. And when you have a guy with a rocket arm who is such a great improviser out of the pocket, he's so mobile, he's so tall, he's so accurate, I don't want to handcuff him to anything. I want him to drive the ball down for maybe a guy like Dak Prescott is a guy you would maybe handcuff to that and say, hey, let's, let's not push the ball down as much, Dak. Let's check it down a little more. But Kellen Moore likes pushing the ball downfield. So this season, I'm expecting to see a a really, really great aerial attack that just goes vert with a lot of guys. I mean, Herbert should be able to high point balls to these receivers all game long. You have such a big physical receiving group here. Mike Williams at 6'4", 220. Rookie Quentin Johnson at 6'3", 216. Josh Palmer at 6'1". Uh, Keenan Allen at 6'2", 211. If he can stay healthy... And then you've got Gerald Everett, who's 6'3", 250, a tank. Like, Herbert should be able to rifle balls in there and throw high balls all season long where his receivers should just be able to go up and get them. Uh, I think they need to get better in the red zone. They were number 20 last season, but I, I really do think Kellen Moore should be able to scheme up stuff for an offense that is this talented. 
I don't know if they're going to be able to run the ball. This is the number 30 rushing unit last season. I think that limits them a little bit. But again, Herbert has made this offense great in spite of the running game over the past few seasons. And I think that is an overplayed narrative that Herbert is not a great quarterback because he's not a winner. You know, oh, he hasn't had playoff success. Oh, he missed the playoffs a couple of times. Who cares, man? Watch the game. Like, Herbert's super talented. He's made this offense great every year, and he hasn't had great offensive lines. He hasn't had great rushing attacks. He hasn't had great defenses. Situation is super important, and I think Herbert has made the Chargers great in spite of the team around him. Now, can we expect the defense to be great next season? I don't know, Carson. Like, they're cool. I think they're a little bit below average. Like, they were the number 21 scoring defense last season. Uh, Eric Kendrick steps in with Kenneth Murray to take over for Drew Tranquil, who you mentioned is going to the Chiefs. I think that's kind of a big loss for Kansas City. Or, excuse me, I think that's kind of a big loss for Los Angeles. I think Drew Tranquil is a good pickup for uh, Kansas City. Kendricks has dealt with injuries over the past few seasons, so I hope he can stay healthy and him and Murray can be great. I'm not banking on it, but... I think this offense is going to be so overwhelmingly dominant that this is going to propel them to 11 wins. I also love the addition of uh, Diane Henley over the middle. He was one of my favorite rookies, and I think he was an absolute steal in the third round. So I think you're looking at a average to below average defense, but again, man, I just think the offensive ability here outweighs any issues I have with the defense. I think Herbert is going to get himself back to where he was in that 30 or more touchdown range over... 4,500 passing yards. I think he's going to lead one of the best offenses in football. So that's why I think the Chargers are going to win 11 games. And I don't think this is a great division. I am really down on the Broncos. I am really down on the Raiders. I think the Chargers and the Chiefs beat up on them both throughout the regular season. That's interesting. The Broncos will be a fun team to talk about. I have the Chargers at 10 wins. And I was actually probably closer to 9 for them. I just don't know that I have faith in this defense getting them to that sort of 11-win mark, and I don't think that this is going to be like the sort of overwhelming offense that we've seen from the Chiefs, for example, where they can overcome meh defense and and still be dominant, because I don't think this defense is even going to be meh. I will say I don't like the linebackers here. This was the worst run defense in the league last year and has been almost there for the last two years under Brandon Staley. And mediocre against the pass, 30th in yards per play allowed overall. It was a bad defense. And, of course, you have Joey Bosa coming back. But it's worth noting, he's just an injury-prone guy. It's not uncommon for him to miss a handful of games or close to half a season. So I don't know if it's a guarantee that he'll be out there all year. I will say, I think you're going a bit far comparing Cal Bears legend Keenan Allen to Tyler Eifert, who <laughs> barely Am I? ever played Dude, football. Keenan is hurt every year, bro. Early in his career for like two years, but he's been pretty healthy for like the last six. He missed seven games last year, but outside of that, I don't think he's like had a significant injury since those early seasons. But... Yeah, I just don't like this defense here. I do really like the offense, though. And, like, when I look at last year, that team won 10 games with Bosa hurt, with J.C. Jackson being really disappointing. We'll see if he can reach a higher level again. And with significant injuries to their weapons, with Keenan Allen, with Mike Williams, all these things coming together, they still won 10 games. Now, they didn't have the best point differential. Maybe they, you know, 
overachieved a little bit there, but I, I do think that they're going to be a good bit more talented this year because of health, mostly, if they can stay healthy. I'm a huge believer in Herbert, like you. I think he is the fourth best quarterback in football. I think he is an incredible blend of crazy athleticism, extending plays, right, creating advantages with his legs, and then also being able to make any throw, incredible velocity, placement, arm strength, good decision maker. I think he's awesome. I also think the coordinator change is important. I do think he'll be unlocked with a more dynamic push the ball downfield sort of offensive outlook. And I also do like the addition of Quentin Johnston there through the draft, who maybe isn't the most polished down-to-down receiver who you rely on, but he's big, he's athletic. I like introducing a dynamic guy into the fold like that. I think that the Chargers need more of those like game-changing athletes alongside Herbert. So I agree. I do feel like he has been uh, succeeding really in spite of his situation. And still turning out good offenses, all things considered, it's pretty impressive. So I like his weapons now this year. I mean, maybe he doesn't have a great number one, but Williams and Allen and Eckler and Palmer and Johnston, it's going to be a really good offense, I think, even with the run game limitations. But I don't view it in the top, top tier of offenses. And I just don't see enough improvement on this defense to think, oh, they're going to be above average. They won't be quite as bad as last year, but I do still think it's going to be a weakness. And it's definitely something that prevents me from putting them into that 11-12 win range or viewing them as like a legitimate Super Bowl contender. I mean, I think if they let Herbert be Herbert, if they let him do his thing, if they let the leash loose a little bit, if they if Kellen Moore can draw up advantages for LA and they can just be a more dynamic offense I would I mean in any one game scenario with Justin Herbert at the helm yeah I would like don't get me wrong they're probably on my back end of legitimate contenders but with Herbert under center yeah I mean I could take them to win any one-off game and win a playoff game or make some noise in that respect so yeah I mean I just it's more of a Herbert thing than anything else when you're looking at the elite teams in the AFC though right Patrick Mahomes is unquestionably a better quarterback and is going to have a better defense. Josh Allen, to me, is clearly a better quarterback who is going to have a better defense. Joe Burrow is a better quarterback who is going to have a better defense. Lamar Jackson is an elite quarterback, not quite as good, but is going to have a way better defense. Even like a Deshaun Watson, if you believe in his resurgence, he's going to have a way more talented defense. I just think it can't come down alone to Justin Herbert being great. Like all of these dudes need good teams. There's an entire other side of the ball that they aren't in control of. There's a reason Drew Brees won seven games three years in a row when he was at his peak. That's just my concern with the Chargers. So I would not put them in that same tier. And it's not about any one game. Maybe they could but can they win four in a row just off of Herbert's greatness when there's other great quarterbacks in the conference and in the league with better rosters? I do not see it yet. I mean, the Chargers prove they can't even win a game if you spot them 33 points. So, no, the track record isn't great. And, no, I'm not putting them in that elite. Don't do not do that. I'm not putting them in that elite like tier of teams in the AFC. I'm not doing it. I'm I'm saying like they're I'm certainly not doing it. Maybe six or seven for me. I don't wanna Yeah. I'm saying the Chargers have the potential to win a playoff game. They're not a Super Bowl contender to me. They're a you know, hopeful playoff contender where I think they could maybe 
upset a, a team above them. But I, I like the Chargers. I think they're going to improve this season. Yeah, I think that they are a playoff team, but I think you're exactly right. They are six or seven in the AFC to me. Okay, who do you have third in this division? Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. I have the Denver Broncos going 6-11, and 11, and it's primarily because... Nobody's game tape in the history of the NFL has single-handedly scarred me the way Russell Wilson's did last <laughs> season. Wow. I-, I hated watching Broncos games. For a team so, so talented, I mean, it's just demoralizing watching how much they struggled with Wilson under the helm. Number 32 scoring offense, under 17 points per game. They failed, Carson, to score more than 11 points six times last year. I mean, it was an anemic offense that only really saw life towards the end of the season. Uh, Not something that you really want out of a brilliant offensive mind in Nathaniel Hackett, but it had a lot to do with Russell Wilson. And that's the big question around the league and surrounding the Denver Broncos this season, right? Is Russell Wilson washed or isn't? I think he's washed. I think Russell Wilson is cooked. I'm not going to let an entire year of game tape. I know that people are going to point Oh, how are you going to let his entire career overshadow what happened last season? Well, Seattle was just a supreme situation to Denver, right? I think they had a better offensive line. I think they had a better coordinator. I think he consistently had better weapons. I like the weapons here. Don't get me wrong. I like Judy. I like Cortland Sutton. I like the guys they have here. I just think in Seattle, you had better guys, the well, DKs of the world, the Tyler Lockett's, the Doug Baldwin's. I think they were better. But I mean, so I'm not gonna let. Wouldn't you say that in like the 2020 
back to 2017 range, I think Russ is pretty clearly elevating those teams. Those weren't very good lines. Those weren't very good run games. Of course, he was a totally different player, like his ability to extend plays, the dynamism of his arm, all that was different. I'm just saying, I don't want to do a full referendum on Russell Wilson here because I think that that like four-year peak was crazy after the Seahawks had had their best defenses in run games. He was still driving them to consistently win 10-plus games. I'm not saying that he wasn't. Russell Wilson was the biggest driver of that. And when he was at his apex, I mean, I had him in top five MVP conversations year in, year out. I believe one year I picked him to win MVP over Patrick Mahomes. I don't want to do a revisionist history where I'm saying that the Seahawks made Russell Wilson. I'm not doing that right here. What I am saying is this is a completely different quarterback than what we saw Uh in Seattle. To me, Russell Wilson is not the same guy, and it starts with what you just mentioned. Russell Wilson is not the same improviser or scrambler. He's lost a step mobility-wise, and that is what made, ultimately, Russell Wilson special. That Fran Tarkenton shit where he could just scramble behind the offensive line, get out of the pocket, and just drop it in the bucket 50 yards downfield. He can't do that anymore. But it's not just the big playability that we've seen lost from Russ. It's also the down-to-down consistency and situational and play awareness. Like, Russ isn't hitting wide-open slants last year. He's not hitting wide-open drags. It's like he doesn't know what play is being called. Like, there would be a guy wide open on a slant route. Russ isn't even looking at him, and he throws a ball into double coverage. Russ scarred me last year. Russ looked horrible. And so with that, with the loss of awareness, with the loss of ability, with the loss of improvisational ability, we've just seen Russ's confidence crumble. I've not liked his body language. I have not liked him addressing the media. Uh, Russ has looked scarred, legitimately. And I think that this is a... I don't like predicting a guy's fall-off, but I think we are seeing legitimate regression, and I think we're going to continue to see Russ... If Russell Wilson is an average quarterback this season, I think it's a successful year. Like, to me, Russ is a bottom 12 QB in football this upcoming year. I would take 20 guys or more maybe over Russell Wilson. I have little to no faith in Russ this year, and that's why that's where it starts with the Broncos going 6-11 and for me. I don't trust Russ to make big plays. I also don't trust Russ to make routine plays. That starts with why I think they're going to win six games. I know their offensive line wasn't great last year, but Russell Wilson played like Stevie Wonder, okay? They add in Mike McGlinchey. They add in Ben Powers. I like Ben Powers. McGlinchey and Powers, to me, are more beneficiaries and are going to be better at elevating the run game than the pass game. I like Garrett Bowles. I like Quinn Miners. They're going to be an average offensive line. I still think Russ stinks. I mean, they were the number 32 third down offense in football. That lands squarely on the shoulders of Russell Wilson. So that's where I start. Defensively, I think the Broncos could be pretty good. I think they've got one of the best secondaries in the league, uh, anchored by PS2 and Justin Simmons. They add Kareem Jackson in there. Uh, I just really wonder if they're going to be able to pressure the QB. Uh, I think they're going to be a really solid rushing defense. I think they're going to be a good situational defense. And I think they've got a great secondary, but I question if they're going to be able to put pressure on the quarterback, which I think is the most valuable thing when it comes to evaluating defenses. They trade away Bradley Chubb. They're 25th in pressure rate last season, and their best pressurers are Frank Clark and Randy Gregory. So to me, you add up all the recipe here, a above, slightly above average defense with what I think is a washed QB with an average line and good weapons, 
I don't think it's a good football team. And again, the majority reason of why I'm saying this is I have lost all of my faith in Russell Wilson as a quarterback. So I have them winning six games. Maybe I'm being too harsh on Russ. What do you think, Carson? Do you think Russ is washed? Do you have faith that Sean Payton is going to be able to reinvigorate and make him a great quarterback again? What's your outlook for the Broncos this season? So I think that the reality is somewhere in the middle. I think that last year was a worst-case scenario in almost every way for the Broncos. They hired the worst head coach in football. Their line was very bad. They had injuries. They traded away one of their highest-impact guys, Bradley Chubb, in the middle of the season and didn't have a way to supplement that value. They were terrible situationally, which I think coaching certainly plays a factor in. All those things come together, and they were a five-win team. So to me, a one-win improvement when I do feel like this team is pretty clearly better would be surprising. At the same time, no, I do not view them as a playoff team. I think that they are definitely a seven or eight-win team. I have them at eight right now, and it's mostly because I think this defense is better than what some of like the raw numbers in terms of their scoring defense last year would suggest because they were doing so little offensively they were dealing with shorter fields they were having to stay out on the field for extended periods of time but in terms of yards per play they were third I agree with you I don't think it's a very good pass rush at the same time the like two best pass rushers who you mentioned did not play here last year in Randy Gregory and Frank Clark so I think there will be some improvement there but really the staple is this was a top five run defense last year and it was still a borderline top 10 pass defense, not because of the pass rush, but because it is one of the league's elite secondaries. And if you got Justin Simmons and Pat Sertan back there, that is scary. I also think it's a good linebacker course. So I think it's a really good defense. I think it's a top 10 defense. And then offensively, it's like to be competitive, to win eight games, they really just have to do enough. It's like you said, they have to right? Just not avoid the disasters of last year where they have all those games under 17 points where there's conversations about if Russ is going to throw more touchdowns than he has bathrooms in his room, in his house. And like, I definitely think that Russ has taken a big step back. I thought there were some major points of concern. I did not like his pocket awareness. I think that he was sacked the most times in football for a few reasons. It was a bad line. But also, he has always had a tendency to try to extend plays at times too much and not having a great awareness of when he's putting himself in danger. And with a bit of regression in athleticism, too, I think he was punished even more for that. The athletic decline was real last year. He was not the same creator outside of the pocket. I didn't like his decision-making, like you said. I thought it was very strange for a quarterback who's been so good for so long, some of the decisions he made with the ball. And I thought his accuracy at times was terrible. Some of his interceptions last year were just horrible. So there's no question. I don't think Russ is a good starting quarterback. I don't think there's a world in which he makes like a top 10 bounce back, especially because, I mean, the weapons here are solid, right? Sutton and Judy, of course, and Dulcich, but... They haven't really changed meaningfully from last year. They're not elite. It's not the sort of thing where it's like you expect that to actively elevate him. It's not, for example, giving Aaron Rodgers Garrett Wilson, right? But I do think the line is going to be a lot better. Even if you think it's average, I think it could be above average. But going from probably one of the worst in the league really matters. Again, 
you're going from a really bad coach in Nathaniel Hackett, not necessarily just a, a bad offensive mind outright, but I don't think a guy who understood how to maximize Russ's value and who was just really bad in terms of game management, personality management, all these things. You now go to a very proven head coach and offensive mind in Sean Payton. And I do think, not overreacting to preseason, but he looks more mobile and athletic to me. I think he is in better physical condition, and he had a couple of really good runs against the Niners. So if you bring back a little bit of that pop with a year of chemistry built up with the weapons here, with a better offensive mind, with a better offensive line, if Russ can just be mediocre instead of flat-out bad, I think that's enough to get this team to push 500. To me, the only way they reach a high ceiling is if there is a legitimate Russ resurgence because I don't think that this is going to be like a great rushing attack we'll see how Javante Williams really looks coming off of a major injury I'm not high on the Broncos but I also don't know that I'm low on them because I think it's tough to deny basically everything went wrong last year and if they had just capable offensive production that would have been a respectable team that's all I'm expecting this year you make a really good point. If Russ is average and can just manage, I can definitely see a world where they get to eight or nine games. And for the record, oh my gosh, I love Javante Williams, dude. That guy is gnarly. Like, I hope that McGlinchey and Powers can open up running lanes for him because he is uh, he's one of my favorite backs to watch in the league, dude. That guy can shake anybody. Um, I'm just not banking on Russ being better. He has looked good in the preseason. I hope that he looks better this season, but I'm... I'm physically, emotionally, and mentally scarred from the Broncos' offense <laughs> I watched last season under the helm of Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett. I get it, but it just feels to me like there's so many of those games where they can just get one more score on the board, and they they were in it against good teams. They're not going to be the worst scoring offense in football to me. I just think there's too many things trending in the right direction. But last and least, Logan, the Raiders. What's your take on them for this year? The Raiders. Look, speaking of disaster classes, that's, I mean, ultimately what describes the Raiders' 2022 campaign. These stats are courtesy of Yahoo Sports. Carson, they were the first team to blow five halftime leads of seven or more points. They were the first team since 1930 to blow four double-digit halftime leads, and three of those losses were by 17 or more points. Uh, hear me out. The Steelers will lose week two or three whenever we play Las Vegas. We cannot play the Raiders. I might put my house on that if I had one. Uh, we will end up losing to the Raiders. Uh, and I love, friend of the show, uh, I love you, Mikey. I love the Raiders too. It feels like we're headed towards another disastrous season for Vegas, man. To me, with Josh McDaniels just comes dysfunction in losing. Uh, he's just got a clear tracker record of it, man. In his career, he is a 17 and 28 head coach. And there's just a lot of red flags with that, man. With the disaster that was last season with McDaniel's track record, with Jimmy G uh, maybe not being able physically to perform. Uh, is Josh Jacobs going to play? Is Devontae Adams happy? It just seems like dysfunction, disaster, and a crash of and burning of a season is a lot more likely to me than the Raiders making an actual playoff push. Like, statistically, they weren't horrible, uh, and they've got a lot of talent, right? Like, if Josh Jacobs can somehow 
lead the league in rushing again and plays every week, yeah, maybe this offense could be great. If Jimmy G and Devontae Adams hook up and are a great, talented duo, hell yeah, like they could be an average passing attack. But that's the apex of the offense. And like I said, there's a lot of red flags. Jimmy G's injuries, Jacob's disgruntlement with the franchise, Devontae Adams not being happy with how he was utilized last season. So there's a lot of red flags with a talented offense. And then when you look defensively, Carson, these numbers absolutely blew my mind. How long do you think it's been since the Raiders have had a top 20 scoring defense? Oh, I know because I have cited this before. I actually think, was it 2006, which is crazy because that's the year that they were like 2-14 and 14 and then they got Jamarcus, but I think that's it. It's 2006. The Raiders have not had a top 20 defense in 17 seasons, man. Their last good defense was 06. Their last great defense was 2002 when they went to the Super Bowl. They're horrible. Uh, 29 passing defense, 26 scoring defense. The Raiders had a whopping 13 takeaways last year with uh, dead last, and they allowed an opposing passer rating of nearly 100 last season. That ranked 32. I think the one area where we see the Raiders succeed this season is with their front four. I love Max Crosby. I love the acquisition of Tyree Wilson. I think they're going to be able to put pressure on the quarterback. I think they're going to be able to plug up holes in the middle. They got Jerry Tillery, Theo Ash's favorite player in NFL history. And they get Marcus Epps for the back end. Uh, really good safety from Philly, but I don't think he's going to transcend this passing defense into being great. So, yeah, there's talent on the offense, but this team has a track record of being horrible defensively. I think they're going to be one to be one of the worst defenses in the NFL again this season. And I don't think Josh McDaniels is a good head coach. I don't get how McDaniels didn't get fired last season, Carson. Look, there is a clear distinction of guys who are great offensive minds or great defensive minds and should not be head coaches. Josh McDaniels, to me, is the epitome of that. Nathaniel Hackett, great OC, not a head coach. Josh McDaniels, great OC, not a head coach. Todd Bowles, great defensive coordinator, not a head coach. Bill O'Brien, great offensive coordinator, not a head coach, and certainly not a general manager, right? There's just guys that just fill that box. They are great at one end of the football. They can scheme up anything. Matt Patricia, decent coordinator, not a head coach. To me, there's just a, there's just guys that that aren't meant to be head coaches. And to me, Josh McDaniels is one of them. I don't know what he's building here. I certainly don't believe in it. I think the Raiders are dead last in this division. I think they go 5-12, and 12, and I think at the end of this season, Josh McDaniels gets fired. Yeah. Wow, with all that, I thought that you were going to go even lower on the Raiders, man, because somebody's got to suck. I thought about it. I certainly thought about That's it. That's the thing, dude. It's just like you look everywhere in the league, and there's talent everywhere. Somebody's got to suck. I think the Raiders are the worst team in the AFC, probably. It is interesting. The last couple years... We haven't seen a two-win team or worse. I don't know exactly what to make of that, but I feel like a big component there is just like the more widespread, competent quarterback play, sort of what we were talking about with Mac Jones. And I do feel like that will keep the Raiders afloat at least a little bit. I only have them winning four games. I don't want to come out here and sound overly optimistic. And shout out Mikey. I live with Mikey. He came out of his room the other day and asked me when we were going to preview the Raiders and how I thought they were going to do it. And I just threw up a three at him, and he didn't like that. I've bumped them up from three wins to four. But I will say, the one bright spot for the Raiders, and the reason that I've given them that extra win, is that 
I think we have every reason to expect that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to miss time, right? I mean, he played in this past preseason game, but he's already been hurt in the offseason. He has two seasons as a starter where he's actually stayed healthy. So it seems to me more likely than not that he is going to miss significant time. And that could be disastrous, but I actually like Aiden O'Connell, who they drafted out of Purdue this year. I think he's looked really good in preseason. I really like his pocket presence. He hangs in there, but he doesn't push it too far. He's very poised. He's accurate. He gets the ball out quickly. I think that's a dude who can be a sort of like back-end starter, really good backup in the league. He just has the level of pure pocket passing, right? He's not going to do the above and beyond stuff with the arm strength, with the creation outside the pocket, but he's solid. And he's solid enough to where I think it's a pretty damn good insurance policy if Jimmy G gets hurt. But as a rookie quarterback, is he going to be better than like Derek Carr last year? No. Is Jimmy G better than Derek Carr? No. I understand that everybody seems to hate Carr. I do think that he has regressed. I also think he's been in a lot of bad situations and it's going to be fun to see him in New Orleans. But Jimmy G just isn't good, man. Like he has been in... (laughs) Such privileged situations, but his accuracy is average. His pocket presence is honestly not that good. He can get panicked back there. His arm talent isn't good. He's not actually super turnover averse. He makes mistakes and he gives you... But like, look at him. Look at him, Carson. He looks like a quarterback. He's incredibly handsome. He's incredibly handsome. And if he were to take my hypothetical daughter out for lunch, I'd be thrilled. And I'd give him everything that I have. But... He's not a good NFL starting quarterback. He's not even close. Like last year, think about it, dude. Brock Purdy, man, he was Mr. Irrelevant. Now I think Brock Purdy is good, but it certainly tells you something when the rookie Mr. Irrelevant comes in and that offense is averaging five more points per game with him. And it's like, yeah, this guy's clearly better than Jimmy Garoppolo, the $200 million man. So I could see a point. The Raiders are going to suck this year where it's just like, hey, let's see what Aiden O'Connell has as a starter. It doesn't have to be at the start of the year, but I think that that is something that they can look forward to at least a bit. A fourth round rookie quarterback who I like more than average <laughs> because outside of that, man, it's not it's not good. It's quite bad. I think the weapons have regressed a bit here, losing Matt Collins and Darren Waller, although Waller has been hurt a lot. They bring in Jacoby Myers and Austin Hooper. They still have Devontae, thank God. But I think the line is below average. I think they're going to rely heavily on the run game here, right? Josh Jacobs is not their best offensive player because of Devontae, but he might be their most productive just because Jimmy G is limited. And also, I think driving the play action is pretty important to making Jimmy G even capable. He's been such a beneficiary of that in San Francisco. But how is Josh Jacobs going to be better than last year, man? right? He played every game. He was incredible. Obviously we've had the whole situation this off season. So I don't know. I don't see how this offense is as good as last year. The quarterback is worse. I think the weapons are a little bit worse and I can't see Jacobs in the run game being better. And the defense is going to be really bad, man. You mentioned it. They sucked against the pass. They were 28th in yards per attempt allowed. They were bottom 10 in pressure rate. And I think Chandler Jones was a real disappointment given his regression. They sucked against the run, 23 in yards per attempt allowed. So I see a team that was 6-11 and and like, yeah, they blew some games and they were 
solid offensively, but not by any stretch of the imagination, a good or even average football team whose division has gotten stronger as they've gotten worse and they aren't good at anything except running the ball where I don't think they can be as good as last year when they were still a six-win team. So I think four wins, three wins, maybe five is the range they have to be in. Sorry, Mikey, the Raiders are not good and I don't see any path to them being good. 100%. Sorry, McDaniels. I, I think this is I think this is his last rope. I think this is his last shot, man. Uh, yeah. And I think Jimmy G can do one thing better than Derek Carr last season, and that's not make monumental screw-ups in, like, the game's biggest moments. But that's the Really, though? Because like, I think Jimmy G does that, too. He does. I just mean, like, marginally. Like, Carr was really bad last year in big moments, specifically that Steelers game. Uh, Carr threw two. Like, the Raiders had that game sealed, man, like an envelope. That game was over. And then Carr ends up throwing two interceptions down the stretch. That's the only area where I can see Jimmy G being even slightly better than uh, Carr, and that's in Maverick-esque plays where you're trying to do something, uh, where you're trying to go out and make a big play. And even that, bro, like you said, it's minimal because Jimmy G is due for a couple of those a season too. I don't love the Raiders. I wish I could. I wish I could sell you on them, Mikey. I'm sorry, man. The the Raiders are just not going to be good this year. Yeah, I do think... This was the best year for Jimmy G in terms of limiting turnovers this past season, and it was probably the worst for Carr. And still, Carr's interception percentage was 2.8. That's by far the highest of his career. Jimmy G's has been 2.7 or higher every year as a starter except for this past season and up at like 3.4, 3.6 in a couple of his abbreviated seasons. He's not good. He turns the ball over. He's just incredibly handsome. And he managed to get America to buy in. And honestly, I respect the hell out of it. He attached himself to two of the all-time great franchises. He came in, won two games when Tom Brady was out. And then he always just gets hurt. And so people can't remember. And he comes back and they think, well, that Jimmy G guy, he's been to a Super Bowl. He almost won a Super Bowl. But he's the reason they lost the Super Bowl, isn't he, Logan? Because he couldn't make a throw to a wide-open Emmanuel Sanders. His bum ass. All right. That's going to do it for us here today. Jimmy G is also not just a winner, dude. I hate when people say that. If you give a lot of quarterbacks the best skill position, talent, and defense in the NFL, they can win games. Jimmy G's got more picks than touchdowns in the playoffs. He's just not a good quarterback. And unfortunately, the Raiders are going to be exposed to that reality pretty soon. So... If you guys enjoyed this, the good news is there's always more Nerd Sesh content. You can follow us across social, TikTok at Nerd Sesh, Instagram, same handle, Twitter at Nerd underscore Sesh. You can listen to the show across audio platforms, and you can find our full shows with video on YouTube. We are going to be continuing our NFL previews next week. Of course, we also do trivia stuff and NBA. You can catch all of that. You can get our merch at thevolume.com. I am wearing the Nerd Sesh hat. We have the flags behind us. We've got shirts. We've got hoodies. Check all of that out. You can also find it through our link tree in any of our social media bios where we also have our Discord linked. So you can check that out if you just want to talk football, basketball with us. You can also check us out on Cameo if you have any requests through our link tree. And with that, as always, appreciate you guys. I have been Carson Brever. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sesh.
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.